I invite you to read with me now from Luke chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 22, and I'm going to continue to verse 34 actually today, so we'll start with verse 24. Luke chapter 12 and verse uh, 22, excuse me, Luke 12, 22, Luke 12, 22. And he said to his disciples, for this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, and they have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than they? I, want, I really want you to hear what the Lord says there. How much more valuable are you than they? And which of you be worrying can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you cannot even for a very little thing, uh, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into a furnace, how much more, how much more, how much more will he clothe you? O ye of little faith, do not seek then what you will eat or what you will drink or what you'll be, uh, what, and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has gladly chosen to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to charity, make yourselves money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes nor moth destroys. And then finally, verse 34, For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your love that is unfailing, your love that is unending and eternal. Your love that was demonstrated for us finally and completely at the cross of Calvary. Help us, Lord, to allow the worries and anxieties of this world subside as we focus upon your great, great love for us. And heal us, Lord, of our hurts. Heal us of our anxieties. Replace our worry and doubt with faith and courage. And may we focus upon your kingdom and all that you have for your children. And may we claim that we are the people of God, the children of God, and may we seek your face daily and know your peace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all who agreed said, Amen. Today I'm gonna, I only got a two points in a two-hour sermon. And the first one goes like this. Uh, we're going to talk about our common struggles with anxiety and we're going to talk about some biblical strategies, some struggles and strategies. We all struggle with anxiety, but the Bible gives us some strategies to cope with this anxiety. Now, the goal is not to get rid of all anxiety. You will live with anxiety as long as you are alive. In fact, God gave you the gift of fear. Uh, he put it in your brain, in the medulla oblongata, or wherever that place is, the back in the bottom of your brain, 
when you were first born, um, and we've always had it as a way of protection. It's that fight or flight response that we have to a threat. And with something we perceive or for real, when a bear's chasing the, man, the caveman, he ran, he fled, he took flight. Um, when his enemy was trying to take over and kill his family, he fought back in order to preserve his family. And so that fight or flight response of anxiety is a gift to us from God because it preserves us and has kept us alive. The, the negative side of that is when it becomes chronic or it's all the time, it's never ending. And it begins to take over our thought processes and it robs us of some, of some things in life. It robs us of the opportunity to reach our own full potential that God created us to be. God created you with great potential. God created you to soar. God created you to enjoy life. God created you to grow. God created you to excel. God created you to enjoy His creation and His beauty and to know Him and the beauty of His holy love for you and for me. But what gets in the way is our own fear, our own anxieties when it is constant. During the pandemic, um, Pew Research uh, folks uh, did the surveys across our anxiety and found that our anxiety grew by 40%, almost, almost 50%, because life changed. Uh, it's like a war attacked us that we could not fight. An enemy attacked us that we could not fight, and we, and we, we took shelter, and, and we did the, the best we could. Some of you are still coping with uh, COVID as well. Some of our own members today are suffering as well. And, and we pray for each other. Um, illness has a way of sneaking up on all of us. And uh, we don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, life has a way of, of bringing curveballs our way. And we don't know how to hit it. We don't know how to respond. And so anxiety, for some reason, in the world in which we live, continues to grow. Now, when that anxiety gets out of control, or if it controls us all the time, it becomes a disorder. And uh, studies show that about 19 million people, 13% of the adult population of, the, of um, American society, suffers from uh, the, the disorders of anxiety as well. And thank God he has sent us help. He has sent us pastors. He has sent us counselors. He has sent us doctors and um, medication to help us with our chronic anxieties. And, and I thank God for for that. I think in the last five years that I've lived on this earth, I have uh, dealt with more anxiety than I've had to deal with in my lifetime. And I think when you're younger, you don't pay much attention to anxiety, but as you get older, you begin to realize uh, how responsible that you are for life. But if I could speak autobiographically here, in reflection, I, when I first came to Ekron, I remember telling you all that I went a whole year without sleep, uh, that I slept maybe one or two hours a night. And uh, that was nothing to brag about, but life happened to me and Linda. Um, I lost my colon, I lost my church, and I lost my child, all within about a two-year period of time. And so after reviewing all of that, I kind of told God one day, I have the right to be anxious. <laughs> I said, God, I have a right to be anxious. I have a right to be a little bit afraid. I have a right to be a little bit uncertain. And then God began to speak to my heart, and we had a 
heart-to-heart conversation one day. I'll never forget it. Linda was at the house with me, and I began to cry, and I began to wail, and it's like it wouldn't stop. And um, I remember preaching one Sunday about sometimes we need to let our grief out in a healthy kind of way. Well, weeping and wailing and, and, and talking to God and wailing to God and telling God what's really on your mind and what's really on your heart, even though he knows already, but you just need to get it out. You just need to say it. I call that emotional throw-up. You know, you just got to get it out. Uh, it, it, you know, when you really do throw up, it, it's, it, it's awful. You don't want to do it. I hate it. It's the worst thing in the world, but sometimes emotionally you just got to do it. And ever since then, I've slept very, very well. Slept very, very well. And I thank God today that God has called me on this journey to begin to discover the biblical truths that are true all over again. And that joy can be, uh, joy can come back to your life. And peace and calm is, is, is available as we address our anxieties through the Word of God. Because God knows you're anxious. Jesus preached about anxiety all the time. Can you believe that? This is not a new thing. This is not a new thing. When Jesus began his ministry, his first sermon was about anxiety. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Luke has it recorded here in chapter 12. In chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said to the great multitudes, not just to the twelve apostles that he had chosen, but to the great multitudes, he said to them, Why are you anxious? Now, of all the people that had a right to be anxious, like I told God one day, I have a right to be anxious, God. I have a right to lose sleep. I've had so many losses in, in my life. Jesus saw a crowd of people that went through a lot more than I ever did. And they were much more needy than I've ever been. And Jesus said to that crowd, you can have peace. You can have peace. Because your Father who created you knows about your anxiety. And He wants to give you His peace, if you will let Him. If you will just have faith and trust Him. It's hard to do, but it's just that simple. It's not easy. It's hard to do, but it's just that simple. And so Jesus preaches here in this passage of Scripture, O ye of little faith. Now, he's not trying to run us down and make fun of us or shame us because we have anxiety. And if you're dealing with anxiety right now, everybody deals with anxiety at some level. I don't care who you are, how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter. Everybody lives with anxiety. It is a common emotional response that's been given to us by God so that we can protect ourselves or protect someone that we love or something or some idea that we treasure. Okay? So that's the good side. It's when it controls us instead of us controlling it that it becomes harmful. And the Lord knows that we are susceptible to letting our anxieties and our worries control us instead. And so let me share with you some of the steps we can take, some of the strategies we can implement um, and, and a lot of the, some of this comes out of my own journey, so I'm speaking autobiographically here uh, the, this, this morning. And uh, some of you um, um, may say, well, you know, I have another way, or I have a, I've learned this, or I've learned that. So uh, bear with me as I share with you some of these good biblical strategies. Number one, and we find it here in the passage that Jesus preaches from Luke chapter 12. 
Number one, accept God's unconditional love and positive regard for you. Now, I've come to learn through my years of pastoring, when I say God loves you, not everybody hears the same thing. <clears throat> when the Bible says God loves you, some people hear this abstract word for love. That love is just a, something that's out there, it's an ideal, but I've never really experienced unconditional love. Maybe that's how you're hearing this. For some of you, when you hear God loves you, you think, well, <clears throat> my girlfriend loves me, my boyfriend loves me, my husband, my wife loves me, um, my children love me, I love my children. Is that what he's talking about? This love that God speaks of for you and for me is much, much deeper than any of those. And that New Testament word is the word agape, which means self-empty. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son and Paul the apostle said this love is experiential and it comes to us by faith to meditate for a moment upon the deep deep love of God for you and for me Jesus who was willing to leave heaven and the status of the triune God came down here to earth as a vulnerable baby a vulnerable baby he emptied himself, took on the human form, and uh, was willing to be treated as you and I are treated, even unjustly. And yet he never turned back from his mission, his assignment from the Father, and that was to bear our sins on that cross, even though he was not guilty of our sin. And when it came time for Jesus to demonstrate that love, they rejected him, and he knew they would. There was an incident in the life of our Lord with his disciples the evening before Jesus was to be crucified. When Jesus gathered with the disciples and he took the bread and the cup and before he did that, he took a towel. And with that towel, Jesus demonstrated something that only the humblest of people would possibly do. In those days when you traveled, you had sandals, roads were dust, dusty and dirty, and when one sat down to eat a meal, uh, the slaves were uh, commissioned with the task to wash the feet of the guests. And Jesus said, I have come to serve you and be like a servant slave to you, so I wash your feet. I wash your feet. Just that one act in itself demonstrates the very humility of our Lord Jesus Christ who was willing to take a slave's role, a servant's role, a slave's role, even though he didn't have to. And he humbled himself and he washed the disciples' feet. He wants to wash your feet today. It's been a long journey for you. It's been a dusty road for some of you. It's been an uncertain road for some of you. And for some of you, your feet are calloused and hard. Life has hurt you so much. Life has wounded you. 
and you've run and you've fled and there's a hardness in your soul. Not just the soles of your feet, but the sole of your heart. And so you've built this wall around yourself, these calluses, to protect yourself from any more injury. I can't hurt anymore, someone said to me, Pastor. I can't hurt anymore. I can't do this anymore. Some of you feel like giving up. And some of you have kind of isolated yourself from the other Christians, the other disciples, the other followers of Christ, and you found yourself very alone in those calluses, those callous places in your life. And Jesus comes to you this morning and says, I want to wash your feet. I want to anoint you. I want you to be healed. I want you to have a new reason for living. I want you to have a new zest in life. I want you to pick up your feet another day or two and walk a little further with me and follow me all the way to the end of your life because I've been faithful to you. And it's humbling to wash another person's feet. It's even more humbling in our society to let someone wash your feet. Folks, it takes humility to admit that we're hurt, admit that we're in pain it takes humility to say I can't do this life I don't know how to get to heaven by myself I, I'm not worthy Jesus will you wash my feet will you cleanse my soul Jesus will you forgive me of my sin and would you be in charge of my steps my walk my future my direction Jesus says, that's what I want to do. I want you to follow me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Would you follow me? Would you, be, would you trust me? Would you put your eyes and focus upon me? Because, folks, that's where we get our peace. Right before Jesus ascended, he said to those same 12 disciples, My peace I give unto you. My peace, I leave with you. That's the beauty of God's love. And that doesn't even count the number of times that they mocked Jesus in public, the number of times they, they beat him in public, the, the, the amount and pints of blood that Jesus lost, the back of his, uh, the, his back, how it bled and how the blood ran down and spilled upon the ground long before he was even nailed to the cross. And then they raised him up on that cross. And there he died. Could have called 10,000 angels to relieve him of that distress. He was even offered bitter wine as a way of, of uh, not feeling the pain. But he refused. He felt your pain, he felt my pain, he felt our rejection, he felt our hurts, he felt our suffering, and he experienced our death. And Satan himself thought he had won, and the truth is the love of God was demonstrated once more when Christ was raised from the dead. Arise, my love, arise, my love, the song says. Death no longer has a hold on thee. Arise, arise. And Jesus was raised from the dead.
It's that same Jesus that says to you and me this morning, I love you, and I don't want you to be anxious. I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. There's a passage of Scripture in the Bible that has become my theme verse. When I was first called to preach, <clears throat> I was in the, uh, about the 11th grade. And when I was called to preach, uh, God gave me a Bible verse. And there was a lot of losses going on in my life at that time. Uh, my mom died. Dad sold the old home place. So uh, I lost what I knew was home. I lost my mom. And uh, it, life just was upside down. And the first scripture God gave to me was Matthew 6.33, the same Sermon on the Mount that said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things you're worried about will be added unto you. Just the same as Jesus spoke here in verse 31, chapter 12 of Luke. But since I've gone through this experience of anxiety and not sleeping, God gave me another verse. It's Isaiah 26.3. And it says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. And that's the message of God's love today. To keep our mind stayed on God and his demonstration of love for us. Jesus said, you're worth this. Now everybody in your family or somebody at work, or somebody at school, or some kid at school told you that you're not worth it. That you're not worth anything. But God says to you, are you not worth much more than the birds that I feed and the grass of the field? God says you're worth it. You're worth dying for. Folks, that's a huge truth. In fact, you can say, I am complete and whole in mind and spirit through Christ. In fact, uh, you can say, through Christ, I am courageous and I am victorious. Through Christ, I am peaceful and serene. Through Christ, I am worthy and valuable. To him. Through Christ, I am peaceful and calm. These are words of prayer. And when anxiety creeps up again, it's a call to prayer. It's an invitation from God to say, hey, it's time to talk. It's time to get the facts straight. Yeah, this worry and this fear appears it's going to get you down. It appears it's going to defeat you. It appears like it's going to win. It appears overpowering. It appears like a dragon. However, I, the truth is, I, however, I have overcome the world. It's time to talk. Prayer is the bridge between panic and peace. Panic and peace. Bridged by prayer and faith, we can step across from panic into God's peace. Kind of reminds me of a silly story I heard the other day. Going to be a wedding. The bride was nervous. She was very, very anxious. Her hands even kind of shook a little bit. 
I find that brides do three things before they get married. One, one will either giggle and laugh, and the other will just cry and cry and cry, and the other will just freeze. And, and, and this little bride had just froze. She was, her anxiety was just out the wazoo, and she just froze. And so before the wedding started, the pastor noticed that she was very, very anxious. So he went to the back, and he got a hold of the bride, and he took her by the hand. He said, now, darling, <clears throat> you can do this. You can do this. She said, uh, number one, focus. Focus upon the aisle as you come down the aisle. And just say to yourself, aisle, aisle. And she says, when you turn there at the front, look at the altar. Just think, altar, altar. That's all you need to think about. And then she says, when you get to the altar, you'll see him. And just focus on him, him. So remember, it's aisle, and then altar, and then him. Can you imagine how happy the father was who didn't really like the future son-in-law when he's walking her down the aisle and she says, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. It's good to laugh. Laughter is a good medicine. It's a great antidote to anxiety. Because, folks, not everything in life is that serious. It's just not. And so now's a good time, number two, to learn to live in daytime compartments. Yeah. Accept God's unconditional love and positive regard. And number two, live in daytime, daytime compartments. That's what Jesus is saying right here. Consider the lilies of the field. Consider the grass of the field. Uh, consider the birds of the air. Look around you, and uh, instead of focusing upon the panic, focus on the truth that God loves you. Music can be a great healing experience. And I really appreciate the opportunity to go with our youth to um, Winter Jam uh, because I've been playing all those songs uh, that we heard there on my little Spotify app, and uh, it's really helped me a whole lot. And I would encourage you to fill your life with Christian music of some kind. You may not care for a new song, but I do now, and, uh, but uh, you may rather have the Gaithers sing. It don't matter, just so it's the truth of God's Word. Not only music therapy, but truth therapy. Truth about God's word. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And God is saying to all of us, I love you. Let's talk. Let's commune. Let's spend time together. The other Wednesday night, we talked about uh, standing on the solid rock, that Christ is our solid rock. Um, I read a phrase uh, one day that said, when you're, on, when you're at rock bottom, you know, we hit rock bottom sometimes in life. When, you're on, when you hit rock bottom, you can stand on the rock. Christ is at your rock bottom, and you can stand on him. Remember, remember, two things you need to remember today. One, God loves you. God loves you. Let's say it together. God loves me. Say it with me. God loves me. God loves me. Point to your neighbor. God loves you. God loves you. Remember, too, the goal is not to uh, obliterate or do away with all anxiety, but to manage it. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit is called self-control. And you have the power through the Holy Spirit of God <coughs> to manage your 
anxiety. That's Bible. And that's the third point. Focus on the kingdom of God in your life. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, when you think about the Apostle Paul, he had every reason to be anxious. Listen to some of his, some of his, uh, some of his history. He was shipwrecked. He once spent a full day and a night in an open sea. Now, that's very da- dangerous. But Paul experienced that. He had been stoned. He had been scourged. He'd been beaten with fists and rods and beaten with words. He had had been the focus of riots and death threats. And after one harrowing uh, near-death experience, he was snake-bitten but did not die. His focus, his energy, his resilience were nearly frightening because he always recovered. In fact, the only thing that seemed to discourage Paul were the problems of his young churches. And so Paul would say to the church at Philippi that he was trying to help, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with thanksgiving and petitions and prayers, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which is incomprehensible, will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. This is the peace that's available to you by faith in Jesus Christ. If you've not yet given your life to the Lord, today is your opportunity to do that. We're going to sing a hymn of response here in just a moment. And when we do, would you just pray this prayer, Lord, I give my life to you. Some of you here have not received Christ yet as your Savior and your Lord, and you know you want to. Well, today is your day of salvation. Today is the opportune time for you to come. If you desire to unite with our church from a sister church, we invite you to come as well. Let's stand together in the spirit of prayer. Father, we thank you for your love demonstrated for us on the cross of Christ. Never do we have to doubt that you love us. And I pray this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit that someone will yield their life to you and surrender and say, I give my life to the Lord today. And may they come forward during this hymn of of response. Father, may this be the hour of decision. And Lord, give us the courage to allow the Holy Spirit to conquer our fears and anxiety and to every day focus upon you in some, some positive way because you're always focused on us. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.